There are also some other uh, processes out there that whilst they aren't the same as action mapping, they touch on some of those similar things. Performance consulting by Nigel Harrison is always focusing on the why and what's the underlying cost and going through that before coming out with a training result. Also, if we look at towards 100% performance, but from the 702010 Institute, they're focusing on the different roles, including, you know, people who are analysing, people who are looking at the data and not having, obviously, the formal training, the 10 of 702010 framework, be the automatic go-to response. But it's like you say about things like job aids. And I think the within reason it doesn't matter which one of those you go for as long as you come out with that idea of let's focus on the business need let's focus on what people do and let's not have formal training as the go-to response however are we not kind of doing ourselves out of work if we're saying oh well it might not be training as a solution if we're an L&D consultant or trainer with our own business if we're an L&D department within the company at what point do we make ourselves redundant is that not the danger of any of these kind of models we I don't think that we would make ourselves redundant I think we'd actually make ourselves make our job safer if we could show how we improve the performance of the business if People say, throw a course at this, and we obediently create a course and throw it at the problem, and the problem continues, then we are seen as easily cut out of the organization, and the next time they want somebody to create some sort of course to be thrown, they will get a cheaper outsourced firm to do it. But if they say, throw a course at this problem, and we say, hey, tell me a little more about the problem, and we spend maybe two hours talking to this me and looking at the problem, and we say, hey, we could really solve this problem in these other ways, we are adding value to the organization that, you know, a cheap e-learning provider from some less expensive place is not going to be able to provide. So it's, I think it's job security. Mm-hmm. And and what about the skills that maybe we have already? Let's say I'm a stand-up trainer of 20 years. um, I develop my courses. Maybe I have the job title instructional designer. Maybe I don't. But I've been designing and delivering either face-to-face or online or e-learning for 10, 15, 20 years. Do my skills still count going through the action mapping process in the way that you're describing? I think um, action mapping or similar approaches add to your skills and make them much more valuable because I'm not a super big fan of the training event anymore. Um, I like to break it up like the current course that I provide is spreads out over four weeks. There's one session every week, one 90 minute session every week. But hey, I'm still presenting. I'm still having to use those skills. I've actually had to improve those skills to make it much more interactive plus they have online work, plus I'm reviewing their homework. It's a much more complex and, to me, more interesting application of my old stand-up and train-them skills. It's just that I'm not doing it in one one-day workshop. It is spread out, and it takes many different forms. I also think it's more effective. So I'm not saying that the, all the skills that we've developed, including the skills for making information easy to digest, those are still important skills. It's just that we're going to be packaging them differently and we're adding to them and making them even more valuable. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, with the work that I do have gone from, as you say, the one day stand up delivery, which I loved, absolutely loved more to breaking it up. But also, I don't know about you, but I find that with multiple, I mean, you're doing live online sessions, 
like I do. But then also with the, the kind of the forum, the discussion, the homework, the contact, I actually find that I get to know my learners much better over that time. And as you say, have much more of an impact on what they're trying to achieve than just that one day or a couple of days over a month. Is that what you find too? Definitely, definitely. It's it's given me much, much deeper understanding of the challenges that people are facing. It makes my material stronger because, you know, I see their homework. I see where they're struggling. I hear from them, you know, I told my client this, but it didn't work. Mm. So it really, really improves what we do. Whereas as before, I remember, yeah, the one day workshops, you get all psyched up. It's the show, time to get on yeah. there and, and do it. And sort of, you know, there is interaction in a good workshop. You are learning from the people, but it's it's one day and they're gone. Mm. And breaking it down, doing more of a a much more complex understanding of their workplace, providing what they need when they need it, spacing it out, which is the reason why mine is spread out. All of these are trickier and more complex, but they also give you a much deeper understanding of the people that you're working with and the problems they face. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I I find it interesting that the more I develop my skills, the more I develop what I'm doing for my clients, the more I'm developing the training actually that I deliver, the less training I actually do, which is, it sounds counterintuitive, but there's all the other things going on, isn't there? And as as long as we can get our organizations to measure the business result and not the hours that people spend in training, then we will be in much better position. Mm. If they're continuing to say, well, you only did an eight hour workshop, when we wanted, you know, 32 hours of something, <laughs> they need to get a different perspective. They need to look at the business problem and how you are solving it, not how many hours or minutes people's rears are put into chairs. So some of the challenges that people often have is is around this idea of the business measurement, the skill there, the, and turning it from an L&D process conversation into the business performance conversation. So I remember, you know, when I was first using action mapping, I'd gone to see somebody in the business. So this was a medical insurance business. And they said, we have this problem. It was definitely a performance problem. So I was on board with that. Uh, we need to change this. That was fine. We, we had some of the actions that people needed to do. So we, you know, those observable things of why I can see them doing X, Y, and Z. We were down with all of that, but we didn't have a specific measure because they weren't measuring anything. So a lot of the parts of the organization have number of calls, number of minutes, you know, all of those different things. But this particular department didn't have the measure for what they knew they wanted to change. They just knew from working in the environment and observation, and that's their job, they just knew it had to change. What advice do you give people in those circumstances? So I came up with a solution, probably not the best one. What advice do you give to people in that situation? When somebody in an organization says, but we don't measure anything, I take that with a huge grain of salt. <laughs> uh, I think it, it is a way of them evading the fact that they don't know what is being measured <laughs> and they don't want to find out. Um, So I try, this is where Google is my friend again. And for example, if the problem is, uh, we want our nurses to become better at bedside manner. They need better bedside manner. And no, we aren't measuring a thing. (laughs) So I get on Google and I say, how to measure bedside manner. And you come up with all of these measurements that other organizations are using. And you can go back to the client and say, hey, is anyone here measuring X? 
you know, here's this, and even send them a link maybe to an article about how they, this one organization measured satisfaction with bedside manner. If they aren't measuring it now, hey, maybe we could do a survey before the project to sort of get an initial measure. And then we put our solution in place and let it percolate, let it have an effect, and then measure that measure again and see if it's changed. So that's one way to do it. Is you look on Google to find out what's being measured, see if the organization is actually measuring it, and they just didn't know that. <laughs> and if they aren't measuring it, suggest maybe a before survey or a before measurement of some type would be useful. If, however, they, they continue to say, we measure nothing, and that is unfortunately true in some nonprofits and some government agencies. If the organization receives money, no matter how well or poorly it performs, then they aren't going to bother to measure how well they're doing. Then you start to get creative with your goals. <laughs> and, uh, you, you think, okay, the only reason I'm writing a goal now is to get the subject matter expert and client to stay focused on changing what people do and not what they know. So whatever creative goal you can write there that keeps the focus on action and not necessarily knowledge, and you just kind of say, that's as good as I can do. 